Welcome to the Women Governance Gurus podcast, where we listen to the journeys of women working in the field of corporate governance, their passions, struggles, and commitment to improving how companies and boards function. My name is Courtney Camlet, and my co-host is Liz Benchy. Hi, everyone. Liz and I are both super passionate about governance and want to spotlight some of the amazing women who share that passion. Hear what has surprised them over their career and various perspectives from different paths and industries. For this episode, we're talking with Karen Francis, Senior Advisor, TPG Capital, and Chair of the Volunteer Corporation Board. Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Liz and Courtney. Great to be here. Great to have you. Yes, we are very happy to have you. Could you tell us about your path to becoming Board Chair of Volunteer Corporation and how it was standing up a new public company board virtually? Okay, those are two very big uh, questions, but I'll divide them up. <laughs> Um, you know, I would say a, a path to board chair, it's, that's not a short path. It's a long path. And if I really think about it, I would say it's, I would define it as a 20-year path, um, starting with my first boards that I ever served on uh, were really about 20 years ago when I was a vice president at Ford Motor Company, and I ran their corporate venture capital group. And we invested in a lot of companies, and as a result, I served on the boards and, in fact, was chairman of the board of one of our hmm. joint investments with Qualcomm. Uh, it was a company called Wingcast. So, um, you know, started in an unusual way, uh, be serving on boards, and then throughout the next 20 years of my career, served on both private boards as well as other public company boards, and um, about five years ago or four years ago, became the lead director of a public company as well as compensation committee chair. And I say that in that you don't really get to a board chair position without some leadership experience along the way. And I um, was fortunate enough to have both of those experience in a, in a separate public company. So when um, the CEO of Fortive, who I had met uh about a year prior, uh, called and asked if I would be interested in serving on the board of Volunteer, which was supposed to be a spin-out from Fortive, which it was. And then I think in the same phone call, but maybe one phone call later, asked if I would consider being chairman of the board. I uh, felt comfortable doing that. I had uh, enough experience, I felt, and I understood the intricacies of both the governance aspect, but also the uh, interpersonal aspect and importance of being the chair. And so I uh, accepted uh, on the spot, I believe. Wow. So, uh, I would say that is the path to, uh, to volunteer. We, we obviously didn't uh, spin out as soon as I thought, or that, as anyone thought we would, quite frankly, due to the pandemic, but gave us a lot of opportunity to get to know each other and work together well um, to, answer your second question, which is standing up a company virtually, um, you know, in some ways the board, the board aspect and, and uh, you know, the employees and the executive team would have a different answer for this, certainly. But for the board, we typically meet five times a year. Um, and then in between those five meetings, things are virtual. And so, uh, for the board to commence its work for our company, I wouldn't say it was that strange to not do a fair amount in person, since that's somewhat the, 
the definition of how boards operate. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly um, for the management team and the executive team to begin to form their uh, work and then do that in conjunction with the board, that's that was probably a little bit more complicated. But I think uh, through technology and a sense of humor and uh, a willingness, quite frankly, to meet and do whatever we needed to do whenever we did it. We didn't really have time frames or or uh, ob- uh, objections to meeting whenever we needed to do that. I think we got through it actually quite well. Yeah, adaptability has been hugely important in this virtual environment. And my, my keyword for all of last year was pivot because, you know, like you said, we don't know exactly when things are going to happen. So, Right. And I right. think that speaks to your leadership capabilities, too, because, as you said, the interpersonal aspects of leadership are so important. And, you know, you may feel that it was fairly easy to come together as a board, but I think not everybody who uh, was <laughs> who would be in that position would feel that way. So um, kudos to you. That's wonderful. I would say, Liz, that I put in probably more one-on-one time with each director than anybody even realizes. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's building those relationships and keep in mind, you know, there are some directors that I haven't actually met in person. Wow. Um, But, but through technology and through really getting to know people and listening and offering an opportunity for them to express themselves and understand their, you know, what they want to get out of certain things and what's important to them. And then uh, helping to bring that all together in an orchestra, which is otherwise known as a boardroom, um, I think is, uh, you know, it's been, it takes time, but I think if you invest the time and you do it with sincerity, that uh, it, really can pay dividends uh, to building a a cohesive collegial board. Mm-hmm. That's inspiring. Absolutely. Has there been anything that surprised you as you've progressed in your career? How long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess I should say what has not surprised me. Um, I think, um, if I had to just say one thing throughout my career, quite honestly, it is the fact that we are still talking about the, the need for diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I started my career um, in the mid '80s, we were women were being discriminated against, but I, I don't think we realized it. It, it just uh, you just did what you needed to do. And I think over the years, understanding why diversity not only matters for, um, you know, equity reasons, but because the best decisions happen when you have diversity of voice around the table. I think that is something that certainly has been front and center for companies and now boards. Um, but to be where we are today and still be talking about why is good and why it matters is probably a big surprise. I would have thought we, we, and that's a big universal, we would have made a lot more progress 
on that front by now. But I'm not daunted. I'm not. I'm not giving up, and we're going to keep pushing forward. But if you ask me a explicit surprise, I think that would be it. Do you think it's partly because of that there's more education now about the benefits of diversity than there was before? That there's more people speaking out on behalf of themselves and others. I think that's certainly a component of it. And oh, by the way, social media has mm-hmm. been an amplification of that voice um, in a way that certainly did not exist even you know ten years ago, really. But I also think, you know, when we think back to, I'll say this, you're younger than I am, but, you know, for our mothers, for my mom, she didn't have the type of opportunities that even I had. And so, you know, there's sort of a mathematical equation that says over time you need to have more diverse groups in the game, you know, and being uh, participating in the workforce and climbing that ladder and over time making the progress so that we can get to a point where it's a natural conversation to be considering women for CEO positions and uh, vice president positions. That really wasn't the case 25, 30 years ago. So I think it's certainly it's the conversation that we're all having um, and we're more comfortable having. Um, but it also, at the same time, has been an improvement in um, women and other groups being uh, participating, I would say, participating in uh, the corporate environment more. Yeah, you need to have that critical mass and have that continue to grow over time. Now, I would say you also need to show um, people that we we do make a positive difference. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just say, trust me, trust me when we, it'll work. I think it's important to show and that it um, makes a difference. And I think increasingly um, people around the executive table and in HR rooms and making decisions and boardrooms are seeing that, um, yes, women are as competent and in many cases more competent than um, than counterparts, and we need to give everyone the opportunity that they deserve. Yeah, I hope that momentum continues to grow. I have some anxiety with the number of women and people from other underrepresented groups dropping out of the workforce as a result of the pandemic, so I hope that comes back. You know, I, I share that concern. I'm very alert to the stress that this pandemic has placed on so many people, regardless of whether you're a mom with two kids or you just happen to be home more and people expect different things from you. Um, So I am also concerned. I think every CEO and every head of HR and every executive needs to do whatever they can to make sure that this isn't a step back. I'm an optimist by, um, you know, intent, I would say. (laughs) And I would also say that the pandemic at the same time has opened up so many different opportunities, though, for people to do things differently and to work remotely and start businesses that didn't even exist before. And it, it, while not welcomed and certainly not um, anything anybody would, would want, I think there has been an interesting amount of business disruption 
that has happened that has put a lot of businesses and um, thinking about what consumers want, what other people want on a different path. Yeah. And I and I hope I'm hopeful that those that, that opportunity uh, can counter some of the the um, negative impact of uh, the workforce disruption from yeah. what we knew before. I love that. Great perspective. So what major governance shifts have you seen over the years in your various public company board positions? Well, certainly the one we've just been talking about, which Mm -hmm. is um, diversity and different voices at the table and learning to value your customers um, in a different way. I would say also um, uh, a greater emphasis on shareholder advocacy. Um, You know, years ago, you companies thought of their shareholders as the people or the institutions that hold the stock. And, and that sort of would stop there and, until the annual board meeting when they might vote for something for or against something. Um, but now I think uh, companies realize that shareholders are living, breathing humans that exist 365 days a year <laughs> and have expectations not just for the financial performance of the company, but for who the company is in general and what they stand for and um, how they treat their employees and how they do many, many things other than just deliver the numbers. So I think the, you know, uh, the shareholder becoming more uh, human and, and more uh, and existing every single day of the year is something that I think is, has changed somewhat. Uh, I think that also lends uh, greater transparency for companies to talk more about what they're doing in and around all kinds of topics. Uh, Certainly the phrase that is most known here would be ESG, but um, you know, what are you doing to build a company and what's happening um, on an everyday basis in and around your operations and how you interact with customers, et cetera. So that's a lot different than uh, the types of governance issues that a company would be would have been dealing with 25 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just not viewed as anybody's business <laughs> other than management and the company itself. And now shareholders have basically put a stake in the ground and said, nope, it is our business. We care. And we want to know um, a lot more about what you're doing as a company. So I think that's certainly change. And then I think maybe one other thing at the board level would be the inclusion of talent management in the purview of the board and more specifically the compensation committee. Um, As you know, many committees have changed their name to include talent leadership development. I know we have at Bontier. And I think, um, you know, making sure that boards have visibility to not just CEO succession, but making sure that the CEO and the senior leaders are developing leaders for the future, which, you know, in its simplest form is good asset management. You want to make sure that you're building great assets um, within a company and for the future and for future shareholders and for just about many, I guess I can't say most, but I should, most companies, people are the biggest asset. So how do we, at the board level, 
make sure that we are on top of um, a company's performance in that arena. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And speaking of people, I know that you are a big proponent of networking. Yes. Do you have any <laughs> tips and tricks you use as you continue to expand your network and how do you stay actively engaged? Um, well, I would say that it's, it's somewhat simple, um, but it takes intentionality and it takes time. And that would be that, um, you should never pass up an opportunity to meet someone or make a connection. And now you're going to say, what does that really mean? Um, that means that if you are offered a, uh, a request or you're asked, let's say, hey, my you know, brother-in-law is trying to get into this company, whatever, would you talk to him? Well, you might say, well, that's not really going to benefit me, and I don't really have the time, and I'm, you know, I don't really know that brother-in-law. Um, you should take the meeting, even if it's only 15 minutes, because you just never know who that brother-in-law is <laughs> and who they might know and what you might learn from mm-hmm. that person. So I am a very big believer in always take the meeting. You just never know what you're going to learn in the moment, and you never know when that one meeting will become very integral to something around your life or your business, even two or three years later. I can't tell you how many connections today started in some innocuous way like that. And um, it means you have to be open and giving. Um, you know, my philosophy on networking is you can't, you can't worry about the balance sheet on your mm-hmm. investment in networking. You, and, you know, where you're trying to balance your assets and liabilities. Mm-hmm. You have to always view that you're always building the asset. You're always building it. Every action that you take in networking is building your asset base of your connections and don't worry about if you ever expect to get payback for it <laughs> because what I found is that you never really get payback from the investment you made directly is circuitous. It comes in a different direction. And so what you might be, you just have to view it as investing in your own broad network Um and help people as much as possible and try really hard not to burn bridges. I mean, it's, we're all humans, so we do burn some bridges. But, you know, in, interestingly, and Courtney will know this, I've been recruiting a lot of potential directors for our board. And through that process, I've met some fantastic people who may not have been perfect for our board. Well, I'm, I'm proud to say that I have already placed three that I know of women candidates into other board seats Wow! through my knowing them. Right. Wow. So I interviewed them. And um, when I told them that they weren't the right fit, I asked if they minded, if I could, inter- you know, introduce them to other people. They of course said yes. And I subsequently actually did it. I didn't just pretend I was going to do it. <laughs> I actually did it. And so, um, you know, that makes me feel very good. It makes them feel good about 
me and Vontier and their interaction with Vontier, and it builds a broader, bigger network. Mm-hmm. That's right? excellent, so, Karen. Yeah. So I feel, you know, it, it's all about did that really benefit me personally to do that? Because it took more time and more effort. I would say no. It benefited the big circle <laughs> that I like to think about of my network, that I'm helping them. I hope they help somebody else. And I and that just builds a bigger, broader network of people who are supportive yeah. of each other. Yeah. We're all connected, too. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> Yeah. In so, in some way, yes. That's wonderful. So, looping back a little bit to your thoughts on the governance shifts over time, one question that we ask all of our guests at the end of our program is in recognition of the fact that there's this big conversation on the societal role of companies. What do you think that women in the corporate governance field or who are sitting on boards can add to that conversation? Well, you know, certainly women in governance, if you're at that point where you call yourself a woman in governance, you probably have pretty good credentials to actually say that. So let's just start with the fact that um, most of the women that I've met in and around that um, title are very accomplished in their career, they're very purposeful and smart, and um, just as a as a professional, are excellent at their work. That being said, I would also say that women often um, have a very good ability to be inclusive and respectful of others' opinions and voices. And getting back to the comment about diversity, um, you know, good governance is about bringing all the voices to, that are beneficial to the table and is the heart and soul of for a company's mission and vision and motivation of its employees, et cetera. We're very, women are very good cultivators of inclusion. And if we can combine the governance part of making sure that companies are governed well and, you know, operating at their at the top of their game and at the same time bring this um, special talent that women tend to often have, maybe not 100%, but often um, to bring voices together and, and um, cultivate a sense of inclusion in everything the company does, then I think that results in great governance for the company and definitely great outcomes for shareholders. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Karen. This was a wonderful conversation. Uh, We really appreciated you being here with us today. And thanks to all of our listeners as well for joining us for this episode of Women Governance Gurus. Please subscribe on whatever platform you use for podcasts, and we would love if you would rate us while you're there.